Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment, you're nailing it, and the next, you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyan with this week's episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about how as parents, we sometimes need to step back and let our kids live their own life and honor who they are as individuals. And I'm really excited to have this conversation with my new friend and colleague, Ryan Haddon. She is a life coach and a clinical hypnotherapist and a certified meditation teacher. And so we're going to be having this conversation over the next little while. Ryan, thank you so much for being with us. Welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Well, hello. Dr. Laura, nice to talk to you and nice to be here. And hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to talk to other parents in the trenches on the field. You know, we're doing our best. And um, I just want to give everyone a high five today for showing up. Oh, it's so important, right? We are just doing our best. Yeah. And the fact that you tune into someone like Dr. Fran to get a sense of what's out there and other sources of wisdom and insight. It just says a lot about who you are, right? And how you want Mm -hmm. to expand and develop. And that's really, I think, generational. I think that's our generation that really is not expecting to know everything, not knowing that it's okay to admit I'm fumbling my way through this, but my heart's in the right place and I want to be my best self modeling that for my child. And I'm going to make mistakes and it's going to be okay. So I love who we are as a parenting segment. And I just want to say that. Isn't it such an honor to get to walk alongside parents in this journey Mm -hmm. of figuring it out? And I have kids who are eight and a half and six and you have four kids. We're in this together, right? We are. We are. And I will say having, you know, a first set of kids and the second set of kids, even back in the day, I mean, my kids are 22 and 19, those older ones. I do think at that time, it was really hard to find parenting groups. It was hard to find, you know, real conversations happening. I had a mommy group that we were pregnant together and had our babies together and we would meet all the time. And I can't tell you that was like such a tall drink of water in a desert to just be like, what do we do about this? How do we handle that? What do we do about tantrums? How do we, you know, so I just think that we're this swath of parents, even one you know, 10 years apart is there's just so many more resources. So much gratitude for that. 
I agree. You know, I was just talking with my membership community yesterday about finding that community, finding Mm -hmm. that support network for yourselves as parents and what a struggle it is for some folks in some settings because they're parenting differently. The folks who are listening to this are attempting to parent kind of against the grain. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily mainstream parenting. And we were talking about how they've, a lot of my group has been learning about respectful parenting and conscious parenting solely during the pandemic, solely during quarantine. And so they've been really kind of in their bubble Mm -hmm. do practicing this and parenting this way. And they love it. It's life-giving. It's joyful. There's deeper connections than ever. And now they're going back slowly out into the world and they're realizing like, oh, how do we keep this going with intention and consciousness in a, a world that is different. I know that that's not exactly what we were going to be talking about, but it, it speaks to consciousness and intention. What Do you have any advice for families who are moving into that space? Well, I want to say that those parents that you're describing really made the most of this time. You know, they really did. So, you know, props to you, Bravo, because you went deep. It's like, you know, a natural childbirth when you're using your breath, or even if you're assisted childbirth, you're using breath to go under the waves of intensity, you know, and those contractions and those, you know, that, because there is a level of intensity being home with your child all day long and he's homeschooling and like, let's just call it what it is. I mean, it's unrelenting in a way, and it does feel like a bubble. So it can be glorious. And there's also keeping it real moments where you're just pushed against the wall of like, I don't think I can give anything else. And then you find that reservoir deep within to give more or understanding, I have to pull away now to practice some self-care. And it might be some breath work. It might be some journaling. It might be those quick fix things to be able to then come back to it and and offer something from a place of overflow. Because it's not easy to be on duty all the time. It's hard for us to be on duty for ourselves all the time. We want to check out, you know, so it's then to do that with another little being who's just looking solely to you. Mm -hmm. It's like I said, I think the intensity of the pandemic and is beautiful. Those parents that you're speaking of who've had an experience of a full immersion of going deep under those waves, culling something within themselves to be more available, both to themselves and their offspring. They really took that ride you know, in a, in a beautiful way, instead of treading water and just, Oh, when am I going to get a break? When am I going to get a break? You know what I mean? Like, that's like, that's why I referred to the um, childbirth paradigm, because it's a lot like that. You're not going to make it through if you're just going to stay on the surface of things, treading water and taking little sips of air. It's when you deep dive under those waves of contraction and pain that you're able to really roll with it and come out another version of yourself and with a little being, (laughs) you know, so I mean, there's no one great way to give birth. Let's be honest. It doesn't matter, but I just know I've done both. And when I have thought of those images, certainly with my children, when I'm on a face off with them, but also in giving birth, I was able to transcend and transmute those moments and integrate you know, the pain, the suffering, the the contraction, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's all of that. And if you're not having that in your parenting, I don't know that you're doing it. (laughs) I don't know what you're doing, but that's our contracts with each other, right? They're going to help. We're right. We're raising them. And I'm doing air quotes for those of you that are listening. 
but we're also, you know, that's what it looks like from the outside, but yeah, go ahead and say it. They're raising us too. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Or rather they're giving us the opportunity to grow up alongside them. I never like to put the responsibility for our own Mm -hmm. growth onto kids, but they invite us and it's our choice and responsibility to heed that call to healing that they invite us to. Well, they're mirroring those darker places where where we're not healed. Yeah. They're showing us. I like the visual of a geode cracking open that our kids Mm -hmm. crack us open and show us the parts that have been hidden. And Mm -hmm. then it's our responsibility to shine the light on them and let the shadows kind of fall away and step fully into ourselves. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the healthiest way to look at it. I really do. And I think it's the most spiritual way, honestly. Yeah. You know, so then it puts you off the hook of having to perform or be something you're not. You're intuitively moving through while keeping that focus on yourself yeah. in an unselfish way. Like, oh, what is this activating in me? Wow. You know, I have a special needs kid. So it actually had two of them. And that kind of ratchets things up another level as well, because the tools that work with the others don't work with that one. So I might seem like an expert with my four kids, but my fourth one, it's like everything went out the window and I have other experts that I work with to, to really learn these new ways of being these new acceptance for what is, you know, I can't put her through a square peg, you know, (laughs) or a round hole as one of that, with that thing. I can't, it's not going to happen. So we all have to work with where she's at in any given moment. And the truth is, is that's radical acceptance. And when I can apply that to her and I can apply that to me, that compassion, that not trying to move things along in a certain linear way, then we all benefit, you know? So those are her gifts. And in the moment, I don't see it that way. So I want to be fair and clear. In the moment, I'm like, ah, not always, but it does. It's there. I feel like there's this like thread uh, through what we've been talking to. And I just feel like I want to say it. So I think oftentimes people worry that focusing on yourself and your own growth is selfish, but in actuality, it allows you to be more selfless with others. Because if we are focusing on our own growth, our own stuff, the stuff that our kids activate within us, we take responsibility and ownership Mm -hmm. for that. And we allow them to not be responsible for it. So rather than asking them to change themselves to make things more comfortable for us, we're working within ourselves to allow them to be who they are. You know, I think we often as parents, when we're in those stressful moments and we're uncomfortable, we're feeling our emotions, we just want our kids to listen or do what Mm -hmm. we say or be a certain way to make Mm -hmm. things less more comfortable for the world around them. And it's not their responsibility that when we focus on our work, then they can, we release them mm-hmm. from the responsibility of any of our expectations and allow them to fully step into who they are. We accept them. Can you talk about radical acceptance? Like, what does it mean to radically accept a child? Well, first of all, I want to say what you just said was so beautifully said. And so thank you for the clarity around that. And I think you're right. What happens is, is if we're not taking ownership of the activations, then we end up projecting onto them. And then there's those little voices we have that say we're not doing this right because they're not behaving a certain way. And so it becomes like a self-esteem pipe to the knees, you know, (laughs) right? I'm not doing this right. If things were, they should be behaving this way. That should look like that. They don't respect me. I'm not, you know, 
I can only speak to who comes through my practice. And I know my own little voices like that, that pop up that committee that pops in there in those emotion mind moments when everything gets really intense, like it's just goes that primal and you're not thinking, Oh, this is all happening as it should. Like those are not the, that's not the voice that pops in unless you keep curating it. This is absolutely okay. So it's that self-talk is so vital in those moments, but it's something to practice because otherwise those unconscious understandings of what should be happening instead, and I'll segue right into radical acceptance, are what cause us so much pain Mm -hmm. as a parent, right? And so we move into radical acceptance for me means we stop spinning our wheels around what's actually unfolding in the moment, who someone is. And that's where the pain is. The pain is in fighting reality. It shouldn't be this way. Why didn't it happen this way? They should have done this. I should have done like it's the spinning around Mm -hmm. something. That's how I I see it. The spinning around it is where the pain is. When if we can just say it is what it is. And from that place of accepting the way it is, then from there, I can come up with solutions of how it could go forward next or what I might do next time but it's not fighting reality as it currently is presenting. (laughs) Yeah. And it's the fight that causes the pain, not actually Mm -hmm. the thing that you think shouldn't be happening. It's the shoulds. Yeah. And we, I think it's like a defense mechanism. We do that. Like if a job, we miss it, lose a job or we miss a promotion or something. And why did they do that? I should have got it. I worked hard. Like that's all the leak. It's an energy leak for us. Instead of, you know, we feel our feelings. It's not that we're doing a bypass. Like we can feel all that. God, I'm disappointed. God, I really thought I was going to get. So we stay with the feeling around it of what it's activating versus trying to make reality go in a different direction and wanting it to be different and fantasizing how it should be different and digging in our heels around it. That's where that spinning happens. So I think you're hitting on something that is so important to understand. I think that lots of people hear the phrase radical acceptance, think that it means like we have to like it or that we have to pretend not to have feelings about whatever it is that's happening. I love that you just differentiated those two things because radical acceptance is not about having any feelings towards it, (laughs) like even positive feelings towards it. It's about acknowledging what is Mm -hmm. and separating our feelings from reality, like that we can be disappointed about what is happening and at the same time accept that that is what's happening you know we can feel all the feelings about it and claim them and take responsibility for them Mm -hmm. own them versus disempowering ourselves by putting our the responsibility for our feelings on the circumstance or on our child or on radical acceptance comes up a lot in my interactions with my parents or my mother-in-law, you know, where I have to kind of just accept who they are, accept that mm-hmm. they will not change and, and then work with the situation that as it is, you know? Yes. Yes. And it doesn't mean we condone it. Do no. I think that's important okay. because if it's an injustice or a trauma's happened and we're not saying, Oh, it's all great and wonderful. Just like, you know, both of us are saying the same thing. It's just saying, I don't necessarily like it. I don't agree with it but it is what it is, you know? And I think that's, and then we get to decide, this is the empowerment piece, who we want to be in relation to that. And I think that's always, and that comes up with me, with my little one, you know, it is what it is. And I find the the resistance comes in like, why is she still doing that? Why is this still happening? Why are we, we've tried this or this? Why is it? It's the why Mm -hmm. that, that really is what pulls me out of present time and 
keeps me out of the gift that's unfolding in that moment. Instead, I can just be like, I can just go back right to my feelings. God, I'm so frustrated. I feel so frustrated. And I find myself saying that to her sometimes. I feel so frustrated. And I'm modeling for her because she doesn't have the verbiage. You know, when you do this, I feel this. You know, and I think she understands that. I don't say you're making me feel this. I'm very careful about that. I take or try to really take responsibility. And I think that's, and then I'm starting to hear her say that, mom, when you do this, I'm mad when you do this. So I think that's all this good modeling that I'm learning for myself. And that's the part where we're taking ownership and responsibility while modeling all the range of our feelings. Yes. And creating intergenerational change. Yay. You know, shifting the trajectory of our family. It's our legacy. It's beautiful. Okay. So I feel like this was perfect framing for what we actually wanted to talk about today, because these are all involved in the idea of honoring who our children are, right? Mm -hmm. Honoring who they are and accepting that they are not an extension of us. This is something that comes up with my coaching clients frequently, where the parents want the kids to do things or be a certain way. And they simply are not there. It's not them. And there's living through kids that happens. And so do you see that in your practice? Oh, yeah, absolutely. What are some of the things that we that parents need to know about this piece of honoring our kids of accepting our kids The we're not them or they're not us? They're not our extension. They're not our second chance, you know, all of those things. Mm, yes. Well, that's first, like you said, we'll go back to intergenerational healing, you know, because I do think our generation is different. And I think a lot of people are hip to this idea. You know, these are souls that come in through us and they have their own contracts. They have their own experiences that are laid out for them. And that sounds really great on a t-shirt and in a meditation retreat. But in reality, these are places where we can get tripped up, you know, places where if they're not doing something, it's a reflection again that we didn't do something right, or we didn't prepare them for the world, or we didn't set them up for success, or we didn't, you know, do this, that what they accomplish, somehow, if this is the selfishness of it, is somehow denotes our ability to parent in a good way, because they have these accomplishments, or because they are moving on a track forward you know, that's looks this way that we've all agreed societally, you go to college, then you have this kind of job, and then you this and you get married, therefore, you've raised a child that's successful. And I want to say, and this might not be for the listeners, but I just feel like those paradigms are crumbling. This old idea of what it should look like, and what success looks like, and the white picket fence with the, you know, two point three kit, like whatever it is in this, the bank account, we're all kind of in agreement. This is not necessarily what creates a successful human. And we're renegotiating that. And I do think our group, our segment of parents is renegotiating that. I'm hearing a lot of other parents say, I just want them to find happiness. And that wasn't what I grew up with. You know, it was, you'd get to college and you have this, you get your degree and this happens and that happens. And then I remember getting out of college and being like, I am so ill-prepared for the world. I do not know how to balance, balance a check. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to file taxes. I, don't I think that more and more, I have two kids that decided not to go to college, my older kids, or they started and decided not to, didn't feel resonant to who they are. And my first reaction to one of them was, oh my God, this was, I was like, oh my God, what have I done that, that you don't know this is important. And then to the other one, I could completely see this isn't a good match for you. 
Mm -hmm. you know? So I had both reactions to both and I had to make an apology to my other child for saying that because that was a slip on my part. You know, that was my fear that just came out out of my mouth before I could catch it. But that's the beauty is that they know that I'm going to apologize. I'm going to contemplate it and I'm going to come back and say, you know what? That was totally off. This was an old voice that I have in my head. I have to make peace with it. So I apologize. And she was like, no biggie, mom. I know where you really stand. <laughs> you know, <laughs> She's making her way. And it's fascinating to see that it's not what it was. So we get to pull in all our expectations, all our projections, all our old ideas. And, you know, that's true for my bigger kids. I want to just sum up what you've said here. So we do this sometimes, un I mean, most of the time unconsciously, right? So we do this unconsciously because one, we kind of have this understanding that our kids' behavior reflects poorly on us or reflects on us at all, really, that has something to do with how the society or the world will see us. And there's legitimate concern about wanting to be loved and accepted. So there's this one piece of it. We also have deep concerns for them and their well-being. We want them to be loved and accepted. We want them to be successful. So we have those very valid concerns that lead us to perhaps push them where we think they should go. And then there's this third one that I, I think that is kind of the projections and the living through that happens yeah. at times with okay. kids. Those three pieces are so important and they're crucial to consider as you're making conscious decisions in your parenting, right? So parent, conscious parenting is about releasing the, our unconscious default responses and choosing with intention how we interact with our kids. And we don't do it perfectly, like mm -mm. you just said. You know, when we make our mistakes, we acknowledge it. Those three ways that we do this, the, or the three kind of reasons that we do this are so important to be aware of. Like, what is my motivation? Why am I pushing my kid this way? Yes, and trusting that they have an inner compass. It's everything, you stop parenting. You stop, it becomes like, hopefully... I mean, they say it never ends, but hopefully you're always, you know, that safe harbor. There comes a point where they're just like done with input yeah. and it becomes a friendship that it's not two way. Cause it's not like, it's like, Oh, Hey, I'm going through this right now. Like, I mean, we do speak openly like that, but it's not, I want to get clarity around that and speaking it. It's not like we're besties, you know, we're still holding, I'm still holding that line where I have this whole inner life that you know, they're not actually privy to because it's, it would be a burden to them, right? I'm still holding the line as a mentor, as a person in their life who's anchored into herself. And so they can come to, it's a safe harbor. They can, they can tie their, their boat to when they need yeah. to, but they go back out to sea and then they come back to me. And so it's an interesting thing when you're raising teens to find out when that point is, because you don't want to burn Bridges. Wow, I'm just full of metaphors today. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like burn bridges, boats out to harm. I'm just no yeah. the safe harbor. But one you was can a beautiful analogy Good. of what secure attachment looks like in the teen years and yep. in the young adult years because we still have an attachment relationship with our older kids throughout the lifespan. It's still there, and that's what attachment looks like in mm -hmm. the older years. Yeah. So yeah, it's finding like those times to really. It is not an easy road to press in and to pull back. And it is a total dance with them. When do you give advice? When do you say, this is how I'm seeing it. Do you see it this way too? Because I'm, I'm hearing you say this, you know, like much like we do in our practice, you know, when we're listening, it's just that really holding space in that sense. And also, you know, but with parenting, it's, it's harder to cultivate the detachment.
my kids are like, mom, stop coaching me. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I, right. My kids they call know me, that voice. Oh, they do. Yeah. My kids call me a feelings doctor and they will say, mom, I don't want a feelings doctor right now. I want my mom. <laughs> You know, I know. That's adorable. I love it's good that. boundary setting. They have good though. boundaries. Yeah, yeah, they do. They have a sense. They're like, she's got the voice. Yes, it's happening. But I love that. And what a joy that they know that we have that wisdom that we're sitting on and that we're also using in our own life. You know, that's really like you can say everything, but it's what you're doing that's in a full observance. So they both have to, they have to be congruent. They do. There has to be coherence there mm-hmm. between what you say and what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, that dissonance can be really confusing to kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I feel like, so what this looks like then honoring your child, trusting your child, accepting them as they are, I feel like looks different at different ages. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to just kind of touch on some of those different places, right? And so we were talking before we started recording about this a little bit that with your young ones, they still need more guidance. They, you have information that they don't have the fully developed brain that can make rational decisions and you need to help them. Um, but when do you know, like a moment where you need to let go and step back, how can you f- tell when at those moments with younger kids? Yeah. Cause I think younger kids have that internal compass. Mm-hmm. I think that they have it. I think they're born with it. Yeah. I mean, if I lined up all four of my kids, they each came in with their own specific personality, their own mission. I know that their own, you know, I believe in reincarnation. So I believe they're, they're all at different points of development in the spiritual world. And mm. I can see that it's very clear. And I feel like they help each other. Those are the agreements they have, their soul agreements, the four of them absolutely see how fully formed they actually are and their sense of who they are. And so my job, I feel like is to really allow them each to bloom and grow at the pace that they do and the way that they do do that because I don't want to close anyone's ability to flow and bloom and, and say, it has to be this way. It has to be that way. This is how we do things. Although I do, you know, say those with honesty and, you know, apologies, and this is what our family does. And this is how we, you know, show up for each other. And, you know, I do say those types of phrases, but essentially I find myself explaining each to each other. She's doing that because of this. Do you see that? And they're like, oh yes, <laughs> you know, I do. That's the part I do get in there a little bit. Um, certainly when they're younger, when they're older, I don't have the other two understand each other quite, quite well. Because they've but done that work when they're younger. Probably. And they yeah. each kind of are so different that they look at each other and they're like, I can't believe that's how you're coming at this. It's <laughs> like, what? You know, it's it was fascinating because they're both oil and water to each other, the little two and the older two. So that that's fascinating to see how they made that agreement to do that this round. I have a story of a moment of this with my oldest daughter. So swimming lessons, she spent two years in swimming lessons when I knew full well that she could swim without ever leaving the wall or leaving her instructor's arms. When she was older, she's five during this, you know, so she between four and almost six, two years of swimming lessons, clinging, scared, unwilling to do what the other kids are doing just but wanted to keep going she wanted to go every week she was strong she has an athletic body she's beautiful and I knew she could do it and then one day her grandmother's pool and she just swam across the pool she just was ready right when she was ready and so it that watching the swimming lessons like 
I would sit on my hands, not say anything. I'm confident you'll do it when you're ready. If the teacher started to pressure her, remember, she's going to do it when she's ready. You know, like really holding that boundary of Ooh. she will bloom when she's dang well ready to. Yes, yes. She will. And that's her personality. If you there's an ounce of pressure, she won't do it. And Ooh. when she was ready, she swam across. The, I mean, she's a beautiful swimmer now, you know. Oh, Laura, what a beautiful story. Yes, that yes. is. That is, It just shows you held that line for her, knowing that she would get there. And you know her personality. That's really intuitive parenting. I think that's what we're speaking about yeah. is really cluing into the personality, the soul, the person and saying, it doesn't have to look like this to be successful, knowing this is part of her process and putting yeah. so much value on the process versus the end result. Exactly. And I think that's what I was speaking about the college and how that's shifting. You know, it was so about outside appearances. I think that's what a lot of our parents that we grew up with do this because this is how it's done. This is how we do it. And we're more about process. How do you feel? What is your soul telling you to do? Yeah. What's your guide? What's your inner guidance? How do you feel about this? You know, I find that's something I've had to really work with my kids when they come and ask me for advice is just to push it right back. What is your take on it? How do you feel about it? First, I get that read and then, you know, to put value on their own, you know, process through it, their own filter, yeah. their own perspective. And I think that's what we can just keep pushing, put that back in their court and then mm. offer up. Yes, that makes sense that you'd see it that way. I totally understand that. That's good reasoning right there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But also, do you, how about this thing? You know, and so I think that these are just ways where our parents are, I, I would think I'm a little older than you, but our parents were like, do it because I said so. Do it because this is how we do it. This is how it's done. This is, you know, it's a lot of that. Or even, so I was on the receiving end of, of a parent who was living through me and my sister. Mm. So those kind of those three things that we were talking about, you know, the way our kids will reflect on us, kind of looking out for their own well-being or the living through, you know, mm -hmm. those kind of three things that we've hit on here. I was on the receiving end of a living through parent. And mm. so, I mean, I went to a college that had did not have the major that I wanted, that I could go and have the career and profession that I wanted to be. And I'm, I like am doing this work, which is beautiful and a beautiful calling for myself, but I'm doing this work because my dad wanted me to go to a specific college that didn't happen to have my major. And he convinced me to, and I wanted to please him. Yes. Oh my gosh. What a huge healing you had. What was that moment where you decided to follow your own path? Much later. So I wanted to be a marine biologist. I still fantasize about going back to grad school and doing that work or, you know, but I didn't. And there's a piece of accepting what is that's ongoing in my life. And how have you made peace with that parent? How um, does that show up today? He has acknowledged some parts of that at various times and there's acceptance that he has deep wounds and fears about his own inadequacy and having his daughters go to a college that he wouldn't have been able to attend in his wildest dreams was his attempt to heal himself yes a misguided attempt but it was still an attempt. Yes, yes, for sure. I get all that. I really do. It's so amazing because I'm listening to you and you are so good at what you do. So there's a part of me that's like thanking him. <laughs> and I have tears in my eyes right now because you have a very specific insight about how to, that's your gift, you know, that you're listening for that in other people. And I'm guessing all your clients benefit from you helping them find their voice 
and pushing against a parent's projection. And, and I'm sure you're raising your children to make damn sure like you did with your daughter because of that, you know, correction that you're making that course correction through your parenting. I know I've done that too, um, inversion. So I, we try to make sure our kids have a different experience and that really speaks to who you are and your path. And (laughs) no, it's true. My goodness. And, Um, but it's not easy. So Mm -hmm. because of that, you know, it's, I am so grateful I get to do what I do because in teaching every day, I do my own work, you know, and doing this work, I do the work for myself. I don't know if you experience that, but it yes. keeps it top of mind for me. You know, it allows, it invites me to be conscious mm-hmm. throughout my whole life, but it's not easy. Like there mm-hmm. are moments where like my dad's voice comes out of my mouth. There are moments where mm-hmm. I'm stuck and attached in the way that he was. And mm-hmm. I see myself going that path. It is a conscious effort mm-hmm. to undo and unlearn that so that I don't pass it to my kids. It's not easy. No, it's not. It really isn't. This is as real as it gets. And I know everyone listening has that voice or a version of that voice that they arm wrestle with, you know, I know I do too. So it's, and there's, this this is the work. Yeah, it is the work. There's a piece of it too. That is the understanding that I'm going to do this work. That's my work. Mm -hmm. And there will still be stuff that comes out the other side that our kids will have their work to do. That is just the nature of it. You know, there will be mistakes that I make that they'll need to work through as they become parents, you know, that is just how it is. And I think that a lot of people go into respectful and conscious parenting with this deep fear of, I don't want to screw my kids up the way that my parents screwed me up. And of course you don't, Mm. but there's a piece of it again on this acceptance end of things is we do have to accept that they will have their life and their life will have ups and downs and have pain in it. And they will have work to do just like we do. And the spiritual blueprint is that this, this is earth school. And so we're here to work things out. So there's nothing wrong with working things out. Right. And so like, I truly believe that those souls, they, they choose the exact parent who's got that exact set of lessons and things that have to be overcome. And, you know, and your kids chose really well because <laughs> their mom is totally committed to this path and this journey. And you're transmuting on the ground in the moment that just takes a special level of commitment, you know? I think I know that's that true to every, for everybody who's listening. You agreed. Everybody who's listening, your kids chose you for a reason and they chose well, really well. And you can't fuck it up. You can't. And that's not just like a dismissive thing to say, but I think if you're someone who's the heart's in the right place and to say, I don't want to fit my kids is a beautiful thing because somewhere there's a knowing that you're going to be become another version of yourself growing up alongside them. And so that's, if you keep coming back to that, you're winning. That's it. it. Every time you notice and you say, oh, wow, there's my stuff. Wow. Look at me projecting. It's not about this idea of perfection. We're smashing that to the ground. It's over. It's just about, it can get messy and just knowing it's not them, it's you. They're doing what they're doing. Come back to you. Come back to the feelings that this is bringing up in you and then come back to them and keep offering from that place of that willingness, that devotion, that self-love, that's keep growing that out and you're doing everything you can possibly do. Like that's where 
true, deep, authentic connection Mm -hmm. happens Mm -hmm. when we get all of our stuff out of the way so that we can see our kids clearly and see ourselves clearly and connect on this true self level. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you, Ryan, for that. Thank you. What a beautiful conversation we've had. I so agree. Thank you so much for being here. It went lots of directions I wasn't expecting, but it was all beautiful and so necessary. Thank you so much, Ryan. Same. Thank you. Okay. So thanks for listening today. Um, Remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of Um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, And definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, That's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.